Welcome, friends, to the Agora Network Ministries program, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our hosts, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie Gallant, share practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and stigma inside the walls of the church. Through interviews, stories, and Christ-centered devotionals, along with dialogues with leading Christian mental health professionals and network ministries, our hope is that you, the listener, will learn and experience that hope and healing can be found in a holistic approach for body, soul, and spirit. Our prayer is that you become more aware about the importance of your mental health and be willing to make the changes you need to become a healthier you, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Again, welcome to this program. Now, the founders and directors of Agora Network Ministries, Alan and Bonnie. Happy Friday evening, everybody. Welcome to Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. This month, our focus is on suicide awareness. In Canada, 4,000 people die of suicide each year. Globally, every 10 seconds, someone dies by suicide. Our guest today is Larry McNabb. He is a vocational rehabilitation counselor with the Kentucky of Vocational Rehabilitation Blind Services. And in May of 2014, he started only the second Christian Survivors of Suicide support group in the U.S. as founder and co-facilitator. There is much more to his resume, but I'm going to have him share more of who he is. Larry, welcome to Hope for the Agora, all the way from Kentucky, USA. Uh, tell us more about who who are you? First of all, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this show. And uh speaking to you today. Um, as you had mentioned, I am Larry McNabb, and Burlington, Kentucky is northern Kentucky, which is just south of Cincinnati, Ohio. Many people are familiar with Cincinnati um, as you go down Interstate 75, coming out of Ontario into the United States. Um, you will probably pass through that Cincinnati area into Northern Kentucky as you continue going South. Uh, with me, I do, I've been married now for almost 26 years to my wife, Renee. We have four children. I am a vocational rehabilitation counselor with the Kentucky Career Center Office of Vocational Rehabilitation Blind Services. I've worked with that agency since April of 2007, mm -hmm. but my passion that I really like to get involved in is suicide prevention. And in 2008, I became part of the Kentucky Suicide Prevention Group. And then in 2012, I became vice chair for the KSPG, Kentucky Suicide Prevention Group. 
And I've been a part of that since 2012, so eight years being the vice chair of the board. Thank you so much for sharing with us uh, who you are, a little bit about who you are. But thank you so much for reaching out to us. Uh, I think it was a, a post I saw on Facebook about our book that my wife and I uh, just wrote, and you commented on wanting to read the book, so thank you for that. But uh, you said that um, suicide is your passion. Can you tell us why? You know, it's a very hard subject even to talk about. It's very raw, uh, painful. It can create a lot of emotions. So just share what led you to get involved. I would be glad to uh, let you know uh, and talk to the viewers about why I got involved in suicide prevention. It all started back in 1986. On Thanksgiving Day, a friend of mine, Teresa took her life. And when Teresa took her life, it surprised everybody. I come from a small town in Kentucky, and I found out then that no one wanted to talk about suicide. It was something that was very secretive, and no one wanted to reach out to the family. No one wanted to give their condolences to them. And it really bothered me over the years, why do people act that way when it comes to suicide loss? And then in, um, in 2006, 2005 and six, I was diagnosed with severe depression, general anxiety and panic attacks. So I went from being a healthy uh, athlete, playing baseball, softball, weighing about 155 pounds to 160 pounds, all the way down to 123 pounds, just dwindling away. At the time, I was uh, working at a homeless shelter, uh, mission for homeless men uh, in Northern Kentucky called uh, Fairhaven Rescue Mission. When I worked there, some of the guys that I was helping to get back on their feet again, actually said to me, Larry, are you dying? And it really hit home with me when I would hear that because really I wanted to say to them, yes, but not the way you're thinking. Mm. It's a slow inner battle that's going on. And so in 2008, when I became part of the Kentucky Suicide Prevention Group, I realized there was a group that openly talked about suicide and suicide prevention. And it really shocked me that people were that open about it. Suicide is just like death. It's hard for us to say that word many times in our vocabulary. When we say we have a loved one that has died or is dead, we would rather say they passed on or they're no longer with us. It's hard for us to even say death much less saying a word like suicide where someone took intentionally took their life. And so where I saw this group coming together talking about it, I knew that I had to start talking about it. And from that day forward, God placed on my heart very clearly, you need to start a Christian survivors of suicide. So Larry, from your own personal struggle with mental illness and the loss of a friend to suicide, it opened your eyes. 
You talk about a Christian survivors of suicide support group. Can you share more about that, please? Basically, it's something that I just take my experience of what I have seen over six and a half years and said, this is greatly needed. And of all places, the church, the greatest form of hope is Jesus Christ. As a church, we should be giving that light of Jesus Christ out into a world that has so much darkness. Right on, Larry. But in your observation, do you think the church is prepared to help people that are suffering with mental illness? I think that is a really one of the core questions within the church today. Mental health is something that is very relevant today. We hear a lot about mental health, where in the past, just a few years ago, we didn't hear that much about it. But then we started hearing celebrities, well-known individuals, start sharing about their personal struggles. But to answer your question, is the church prepared for it? Definitely not. I think it's something that the church is improving on. The church is starting to say, we have a need within our own community that we need to address. And how do you address it? We need to learn about mental health. We need to learn about suicide prevention. We need to know about those that have attempted suicide. We need to know about those survivors that are struggling just to go on because of a loved one has taken his or her life. How do we reach that population? Because it is a growing number. Unfortunately, suicides continue to rise each and every year. And that is something that the church has to start being prepared. And the only way you're going to be prepared is if you start openly saying, we want to know more about this. We want to know more about mental health. Amen, Larry. Right now, we're going to take a few minute break and come back and talk to Larry uh, about uh, suicide awareness and prevention. But we're going to hear from Pastor Gord Abraham as he speaks about a mind that matters. Thank you, Gord. Greetings, friends and listeners of Agora Ministries. Our theme for this month deals with hope in the midst of the tragedy of suicide. As a pastor, I have walked with good friends and members of my church as they have tried to make sense of the self-inflicted death of one of their twin sons. This son was just a young teenager with so much potential, and yet dark and hopeless self-talk and lies believed by him were so powerful and so devastating. Believing you are a failure, not worth anything to anyone, hopeless, can be overwhelming when faced alone. Being the victim of abuse or rejection, being treated as unloved or worthless, can feed our dark self-talk. We must run back to Jesus because his love alone can hold us up. As we said last week, he, Jesus, invites us to come to him, throw our crushing burdens and failures on him, trusting him, to be able to give us hope and meaning and acceptance. The Apostle Peter experienced this very thing in the Gospels as he followed Jesus. He boasted to Jesus that he would die for him and even seemed to show it at Jesus' arrest in Gethsemane. But on the night Jesus was arrested, and when the real pressure came on Peter, 
with the question from a young servant girl, he denied knowing Jesus. Peter even swore and said, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. Can you just imagine Peter doing this after his boast? When the rooster crowed, his true failure and rejection was revealed as Jesus had told him. He was a broken failure, a denier. He experienced nothing but guilt, failure, and hopelessness for three days. I'm sure if he could, he would, like Judas, have taken his own life. But something held him back. He had been given, he had been with Jesus too long. He had seen his love and compassion. He had heard his words of forgiveness for all sin. Deep down, in spite of the dark self-talk, the fear that his denial was final, and the lies playing around in his mind, he must have hoped in some way. He still, in some way, trusted Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 says this, We are surrounded by an army of witnesses. They have run the race and finished it well. It is now our turn. Now stay focused on Jesus, who designed and perfected our faith. He endured the cross, ignored the shame of the death, because he focused on the joy that was set before him. And now he is seated beside God on the throne, a place of honor. Consider the life of the one who endured such personal attacks and hostility from sinners, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. And so, friend, don't quit. Don't give up. Cry out for help. We read in this passage of Scripture that Jesus himself has endured the cross. He has taken death upon himself. The joy that was set before him motivated him. What was that joy? It certainly wasn't the death. It certainly wasn't the punishment that he bore. It certainly wasn't the rejection, the lies. The joy that was set before Jesus as he went to the cross was the joy of knowing that many who trust in him would be completely forgiven. Many who trust in him would have hope and a future. Many who trusted in him would see life and life abundant, life to the fullness. Any who trusted in him would have a life that is flourishing. And so that's what we see when it says that Jesus was filled with joy because of what was set before him. That's strange. Now it says that he wants us not to lose heart, not to grow weary, not to give up, not to live in hopelessness. And that's what we at Agora Ministries want to resource you to do. We want you to be willing to see that God is here to help you. God is ready through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to your aid. And so if you have loved ones or you yourself are struggling, we want to offer this to you and the help that's available to you. May God bless you through this week. Thank you, Gord. Uh, Larry, welcome back. Um, COVID-19, this pandemic, has uh, really caused a lot of worry and mental stress. 
Can you uh, speak about how is this pandemic affecting our mental health? We're starting to see a very large uptake in those that's saying, I feel very depressed. I feel very anxious. I feel fearful. And a combination of this over time starts eating away at them internally within their own minds that they start really being in fear of even getting out of their house. What we're looking at from the uh, government perspective and from suicide prevention is saying, what are we looking at long-term? Once this pandemic starts playing further out and we may start finding a vaccine that is helping us get back to somewhat of a new reality, a new normal that helps us interact with one another again in person, not have to wear the mask everywhere we go, but how are we going to be affected long-term? Studies have shown here in the United States that during times of war and very hard struggles, suicide rates do tend to stay down. It's usually after that that people says, okay, things are picking back up and I can't go on. I'm struggling. And that's where uh, we're really concerned in suicide prevention saying, how are we we going to be affected once we start making or we start going back to school we start doing some of the things that we were before I remember the fires in Alberta back a few years and uh, many people lost their homes and everything they owned and it wasn't until later uh, a year or so later that the storm really the human crisis of that area was affected. People, uh, their mental health was uh, really bad. The anxiety and depression on those that lost so much. Suicide wasn't a factor in the beginning, but people were considering. And people took their lives because of this uh, tragedy and destruction that happened in their area. You said, Larry, that Suicide is on the increase. And uh, here in Canada, we're reading about the human crisis. We're talking about a second wave coming of COVID, and that may be uh, true, but there's coming a second or a third wave, and uh, the church needs to be prepared, um, and we need to break the silence. Can you talk more about this, please? I definitely think that's where... Um the church has to start looking now on how we're going to step in as a whole. We have got to start saying uh, we need to become more familiar with who are, are the mental health experts in our church. Who are those in the community that are uh, counselors, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists? Who are those that we can help train there is a organization here in, in United States called the American Association of Christian Counselors, AACC. And they have a program right now that people can uh, sign up for that's called a cert board certified mental health coach. And that is a person that can be a go-between, someone that can be within the church that people recognize and say, we can go to that person and talk to them about resources and how to get help. And 
then that mental health coach can help guide them to making that referral to that right connection. What we have to see is that the church, we first of all have to start breaking down this mindset that we think of suicide as the unforgivable sin. It's not the unforgivable sin. We realize that suicide comes from a mental health disorder or multiple disorders. 75% of all suicides come from depression. Over 90% comes from some form of mental health disorder. Those are the major causes for suicide. So it's not the suicide itself. It is what's causing them to think about suicide. It's just like someone having cancer. If we know someone having cancer, we're wanting to reach out to them and help them get the resources, get the help they need. But we're still lagging behind with our own misconceptions, thinking, I don't want to talk about mental health. I don't want to talk about this invisible battle that people, and for us, we're saying, we got to stop as a church and say, look at suicide as saying, it is something that can be prevented. If we can show hope to those that think there is no other hope. And that is where we get to a point with anything. If we start feeling hopeless about a situation, our body starts shutting down. It starts saying, I can't take this. I don't see a way I can get through this. Whether it's a physical disease that we're seeing on the outside, playing a toll on you, or if it's something that's going on in your mind that says, People around us may not know it, but let me share with you what I'm feeling. Let me share my story. If you're willing to listen, I will share with you if you care. And that's the core question we all have. Do you care? And unfortunately, we live in a world that a lot of people think, I don't know. Does someone care? <laughs> yeah. need for people who um, require counseling services, I have seen for almost two decades that I've worked for Niagara, with Niagara Life Center Counseling, um, a huge need uh, for mental health counseling. We, we get a lot of referrals from churches. Uh, pastors are sending people our way that we are seeing that have been in bondage for years because of the stigma and being afraid to speak out. I've always thought at a denominational level we need to educate the people within our churches and make them aware that this mental health is real and mental health is human and that it is okay not to be okay and that there are places in the community where people can really get God's help. Having been a pastor for a lot of years, uh, what I am finding in the last little while is people are more open and willing to talk about some of their struggles. Often there's still a hesitancy, but they're taking steps. And that's been at a staff level and at a congregant level. That's been at my own personal level as well. Uh, some of the things that we've seen in our own congregation, our own church family, is the need for people to have the kind of environment that Bonnie and Alan give us in regards to anxiety, uh, the mental health issues in life. Uh, we've seen it grow in the last five to 10 years and really there has, in my mind, nothing has been out there from a Christian perspective uh, to really 
um, allow people to kind of come out of the woodwork, if you will, or come out of the closet, if you will, uh, with their struggle with, with mental illness. And, uh, and I don't think we need to be afraid of it. Uh, we need to hit it head on. And uh, Alan and Bonnie just seem to do that uh, from a, uh, a real way, but also from a Christian perspective. Um, they're really committed to um, walking the road of life with people. But I think the other commitment is their commitment to the Word of God and what that, how that can speak health, hope, and healing into, into a person or family's life. It wasn't until I met Alan and Bonnie that I discovered answers to my own journey. I have battled with depression and anxiety for 50 years and did not know where to go, who to talk to, uh, what help was out there. And it wasn't until I heard Alan here at the church sharing his heart and ministry that I remember very clearly saying to myself, I've got to talk to that man. I have got to sit down with him. He's got something I don't have. And so I did. And that really was the beginning of my journey to one, understanding the, the, uh, the need, and two, understanding that there is hope and help for those who battle with it on a regular basis. And so it was very, very significant for me to find that here was a group of people who uh, loved Christ and had answers that I needed to my own mental health battles. For us, it's actually been a huge blessing because it's a topic where, you know, a lot of um, church professionals don't really even know how to advise and they don't know the resources that are out there. So Agora is a huge blessing that way because they've already got network established and we know where to send people. What I so appreciate and respect about Agora Ministries with Alan and Bonnie is that they are resolved to address the reality that within the Christian church, generally speaking, there's always exceptions, but generally speaking, there is a stigma and people are afraid to say, I struggle with whether it's anxiety or depression, even at times suicidal thoughts. And Agora is committed to saying, there is no shame in saying, I am struggling emotionally. I'm struggling with, at times, thoughts that just run amok. And they are resolved to address this with honesty, with realism, uh, marked with a whole lot of grace and truth, but also, so importantly, providing workable, tangible resources that can get into people's hands and hearts and minds. The important work that Alan and Bonnie do uh, within the church is very significant. Um, I think they put their heart and soul into it and they're working hard at it. And uh, yeah, there's no doubt that we need this within the church uh, because there's always been a stigma to all that mental health issue stuff that's out there, but uh, just doing a fantastic job with just connecting and being, um, being transparent with, with their own uh, family and individual struggles and knowing that there's, there's victory and hope behind, behind that life. I could recommend Agora Network and Bonnie and Allen in terms of speaking or partnering with churches because uh, for most of us in ministry, we have not been trained on what's available in terms of mental health uh, facilities, the resources that are out there. Their voice is filling a gap that a lot of um, people in ministry just don't have experience with. The blending of biblical truth, if you wish, with, with 
health principles is transformational. And, uh, and if people are willing to, uh, to admit that they have a need and uh, seek out Agora, they will find them more than willing to help and journey with them. And people's lives are being destroyed because they won't seek counseling because of the stigma. So Agora breaks the stigma and we are on the receiving end of that brokenness to be able to work in people's lives so that God can heal them and bring them to victory. Larry, thank you so much for being on our show tonight. Hope for the Agora. It was a pleasure to talk to you and have you share with us your heartbeat, your passion uh, for people who are lost, number one, without Jesus, and number two, are lost in their souls and minds and need hope and healing. Bless you, and uh, maybe sometime we'll get to hear you again. Thank you, Alan. And I enjoyed this very much, and hopefully it'll help others to go out and be proactive in helping others that are struggling. As we conclude our program, we want to thank you for listening to today's broadcast. For more information about Agora, we invite you to journey through our website, www.agoranetworkministries.com. Also, Please subscribe while there or email us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. Until next time, may you know and experience the hope and healing that comes from the greatest healer, Jesus Christ.